Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition, episode 74 of the Lab X Community Podcast. It's great to have you in today or tonight or yesterday or tomorrow or in the morning, whatever time you're listening. We do appreciate that. Or watching on the audio side. We have a lot to talk. I know I say that every week. We have a lot to talk about this week, and I'm all revved up, ready to go, watching the Major League Baseball playoffs, a little bit of my cousin Vinny mixed in there as well. So let me introduce my name is Jim, by the way. Let me introduce my former coach, friend and co-host, professional evaluator, successful business owner, Jake Epstein. Good to be here, Jim. Best time of year. You're revved up and ready to go like me, huh? You ready, Freddie? We have a big show here. Yeah, let's go. We got two pages of script today. Um, By the way, speaking of uh, my cousin Vinny, every time that... Joey Gallo went to the plate for the Yankees. <laughs> Every time I would I would say to myself in my head, Jerry Callow? No, Jerry, Jerry Gallo. <laughs> every, every fucking time I just couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't get that in my head. Um, oh, That's by the way, good. congrats to you and your family, your dad. You guys are featured in a Deadspin article this week about the time that your father fought beat the shit out of Reggie Jackson in the clubhouse when he was with the Oakland Athletics. I did reach out to the author uh, on Twitter of that article, and he sends uh, his well wishes to you and your father. I didn't know this, but he actually talked to your father, but it was a well-written article. I invite everybody to try and uh, uh, read that on Deadspin if they get a chance. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, it. Uh, I remember when that, that first came out, it was, I heard from all these random people, you know, I had never, and um, yeah, it, it, it's funny. I don't know if I ever told the story. There was a, I believe it happened in Texas and uh, my dad a year, it was a couple years after that. So that was probably 1972. He did get traded after that year because of that fight. Um, Cause they won the world series. He led that team in, in home runs that year. And, Sure enough, Finley shipped him out just like he said he would. And so my dad's out of baseball, I don't know, three or four years later. And he goes, he's in Texas doing business. Um, and the Yankees are in town. So all those guys play for the Yankees now, right? Catfish is with the Yankees. Reggie's with the Yankees. Um, and there are probably other guys I, I, I'm, I'm not thinking about right now. So they go in there and they invite my dad into the clubhouse and, hey, how's it going, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, hey, I want to show you something. And he's like, oh, what is it? And they pulled back like a, a carpet, like a rug. And underneath the rug was a chalk outline of where Reggie was laid out on the ground because it was the same locker room. It was the visiting locker room in Texas. And I always mm-hmm. thought that was funny. I wonder how long that chalk outline was really there. Yeah. Yeah. So, you that's know, good baseball, funny guys. You know all the details. By the way, the author, I looked him up here, and I forgot his name uh, when I messaged him on Twitter. Uh, his name, and I want to give him credit, uh, Jason Turbo. He wrote the article on uh, on Deadspin. So again, I invite everybody to check that. It's a really fascinating uh, piece of writing. Uh, now, what did what, what is your dad's side? Did you ever get Reggie Jackson's side when you met him? I'm just curious. No, they were always very cordial. So as a kid, right. when I would see him, they were... You know, you wouldn't know, Hey, how's it going? They always talked yeah. about hunting, you know, mm-hmm. and my dad's like, you know, Reggie, you hunt now, you know, like that, right. that was kind of always a weird thing, but no, I, I never knew that until I was older and I heard stories about it from mm-hmm. my dad's friends and teammates, 
Um, and then when that article came out, it was like the true story. Like I heard the, uh, kind of the PG version of it, yeah. um, that my dad told me. And then this was more the version that, uh, you know, I, I think those guys, you know, that also were interviewed, you know, gave to him. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, um, again, I invite everybody to, uh, check out that article on Deadspin. It is, uh, the fight detailing between Mike Epstein, Jake's father, and of course, uh, Reggie Jackson, apparently they are now, or were friends. Maybe they still are. Yeah. Well, they are. yeah there's always heated stuff. I think Reggie yeah. was in a few fights that year. Mm-hmm. Um, Sal Bando, uh, the captain of that team, you know, mm-hmm. and Reggie often got into it, you know. Billy Martin with the Yankees, you know, maybe, maybe yeah, it's just it's Reggie. Just, maybe it's hey, not man, he was the he, He's the straw. He's the straw that stirs the old drink. By the way, that is the most That's overused cliche in all of sports by announcers now everybody uses it across every sport he's the he's the straw that stirs the oh i'll fall ready with that cliche switching gears uh bryce harper now he's kind of the straw that stirs a drink i'd say right that's fair to say Mm -hmm. um before i bring him up though so i lost my uh my quarterback russell wilson on thursday night for six to eight Mm -hmm. weeks my starting quarterback in fantasy football but luckily luckily for me though ep I see, I know how to draft and I, my, I am, I have an abundance, an embarrassment of riches, if you will, my skill position players, a lot of good wide receivers, a couple of good running backs. I'm one I like to build from within, right? I like to build and develop my players. Now I like to build and draft correctly. I don't do many trades in fantasy football. And if I was running an organization, I probably wouldn't do too many trades either. I still kind of cringe when teams trade away their top prospects. I understand, of course, that those top prospects don't always turn out to be big leaguers, but nevertheless, um, about Bryce Harper and how does this connect to him? So at the end of the regular season for the Phillies, he spoke to the media and he talked, he made some great quotes and he made some great points. And he talked about how the Phillies he feels have to build from within. He would know mm-hmm. coming up with the yeah, nationals when yeah. it came up, they were building from within. And he talked about how the one year, big money, two year, big money contracts, just aren't going to work. He talked about having a solid farm system and building from within. Um, is he right? I think he is, but is he going down the right avenue when he talks about that? Is that how organizations should go or should they kind of do what Alex Anthropolis does with the Blue Jays now, of course, with the Braves in, I don't know, maybe going for the gold and selling away some prospects and maybe having going out and signing those big name free agents. Yeah, I think it depends on the situation in the market, for sure. I think the Dodgers had a pretty good farm system and had some homegrown guys, and then, boom, they can all of a sudden get a guy like, you know, Turner and Scherzer, and they had to give up really good prospects. Well, if you don't have prospects, then you're not going to get Scherzer and you're not going to get Turner. So, yeah, I mean, there's nothing uh, more valuable than a strong farm system because, you know, you can hopefully some of those guys, you know, will make it and, and make an impact on your big league roster, but they can also be used to get people to win now. And you have to understand the situation of where your team is. Yeah. And if you're close, like the Dodgers are like, we got to strike while it's hot, man. We got to, we had a great team last year. We had a great run. We're doing well. The Giants are killing it. Hey, if we can get Scherzer. Um, and Turner, but then we'll we'll give people up. And if I'm not mistaken, Scherzer's under contract, I think, for well, that's quite a Trey, while. That's Trey Turner. Scherzer's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. But okay. there's so still Scherzer's, a chance he may resign there. 
Yeah, and Scherzer's locked up, right? So you're going to get a couple good years out of him. You know, Turner, he's getting older, yeah, but Turner. you know, so you're getting. Mm-hmm. Yes, you gave up a couple of prospects, but I mean, you're getting you know one of the top whatever five starters in all of Major League Baseball, and a guy with you know grit and and postseason experience. So, yeah, nothing's wrong with building within, and that starts with you know is that player development or is that is that the draft? You know, is that scouting? Right. A lot of it's scouting and, and being able to pay a lot of those international prospects. I, I was amazed at how many, um, just watching the playoff teams today, how many international players are dominating these rosters, especially yeah. the White Sox. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, Randy Rose and the Rays, too. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. They're the I mean, there's standard, so many Cuban way. guys, yeah. but there's, there's a lot of international. You got uh, G Man, you know, right? I mean, yeah. they're not just. Yeah. Uh, you know, Latin American players. So yeah, yeah, it's it's where it's at. You know, well, you the Rays and the the Rays and the Dodgers. Pool. They're the got they're the gold standard though of player development and drafting and and doing things the right way, building from within. I mean, even the Dodgers who traded away all those prospects to get Scherzer and Turner, did it really right. make a dent in their farm system? And they also traded away Verdugo a couple of years ago. Did that really I make know. a dent in their farm system? I I, I would love to know because I don't know the answer. I d- I would yeah. love to know what they do consistently to be able to have the farm system that other teams just don't have when they go through a rebuilding process. Yeah. Like it takes, I mean, how are the Orioles just not with the amount of top draft picks? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. They're going to get another one of the pirates. You right. know, it's like, what, what, what are they missing? You, the know, Padre, it, you can make a case for the Padres too right now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, the Padres had Tatis. Yeah. I mean, they had uh Renfro, mm-hmm. they traded him away. They've traded away. Actually, I think um, Turner. Um, they traded away Trey Turner to the Nationals. Trade, yeah, he was. Yeah. yeah, that's where Turner came from too. So yeah, yeah, and that was so, the year that the know, Padres that were going for it all in 2015 when they did trade Trey Turner. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, I don't think you can go wrong with a strong farm system. I think that yeah. that is that's your foundation. You know, if you're going to build a house and mm-hmm. that's going to stand for, you know, five, six, seven years, uh, your organization being successful, it's yeah. going to have to stand on that, the pillars of those, um, of that farm system. Yeah. Some other Bryce Harper quotes though, that I found today that you might like just to give you a smile. He says, uh, quote unquote, I'm not trying to fit in with nobody. I'm just me. All right. I like that one. Here's what I really like, quote unquote. Grammar is not very good. Huh? Grammar. grammar. Yeah, yeah, grammar. Uh, the other one, I eat ice cream all the time. So look, it's okay to eat ice cream all the time. Then if he does it and he's in great shape, we all can do it. I only, yeah. eat, I only eat ice cream like once a week. Though. Yeah. Um, I went to school, but nobody really noticed me. I just came to school, didn't dress up or anything, just a ghost. I just worked out and went out to the field and went the baseball route. That's how I've always been my whole life. Yeah. Not a bad right? thing, kids. No. Stayed out of trouble, too. You don't have to go to parties and, you know, drink some uh, drink adult beverages. You can do the Bryce Harper route. There's nothing wrong with that. Nope. And you, don't have to be, you don't have to be a baseball player. You can, you know, like play the saxophone like I wanted to until my dad threatened to choke me with it because I was so bad at it. Uh, I can squat 405 pounds. I'm proud of that. That's one of my favorites. Now, that's what Bryce and I have in common, although he doesn't have the torn quad, I do. But we have that in common. Here we are. 
So see, we're you, you and I are him and I are close. Are we have more in common than, than we both probably than most people? I, yeah. I agree. I love working hard. I think people know that. Hey, yeah, I agree. I do. I feel bad for him that they didn't make the Phillies didn't make the postseason this year, and that he had an MVP type season. Do I think he's the MVP? I said last week probably not because they didn't make the postseason, and he went 0 for 11 against Atlanta in that final week. But I'm starting to sway towards maybe giving him the MVP. Freddie Freeman, who by the way is going to be a free agent at the end of the year, and he is going to be featured on our mechanical breakdown series of our top 10 mm-hmm. free agents coming up in november but our topic today college recruiting myths we'll get to that here in just a couple of moments eddie robinson passed away by the way this week do you have any Mm -hmm. comments about that he was 100 years old player scout executive from the 1940s to the 80s 40 plus years in baseball did you ever run into him i'm sure your dad did yeah my dad probably did no i i didn't ever run into him but that's a that's a legendary guy that you know we lost i lived a legendary life right Mm -hmm. yeah pretty impressive yeah yeah, 40 years in baseball. I wonder what he would That'll think. That'll drive of. anybody crazy. I agree. But he lived till 100. So and yeah. he, <laughs> he outlived everybody. Um, be sure to subscribe. Be sure to subscribe to our show. Apple, Google, Spotify, and our YouTube page, The Lab Epstein Hitting Podcasts, of course, for new episodes every week, archived episodes and clips. I want to bring up something here, too. I found this little chart interesting. This is from The Washington Post. Democracy dies in darkness, as they say. Um, two strike hitters this season. This is in 2021, the regular season. I'm going to give you a list here, and people watching on the YouTube side can see the graphic. Yuli Gurriel's number one, not counting the postseason. He's number one with the Houston Astros. 290 batting average with two strikes. Luis Robert, the White Sox, 286. He's number two. Santiago Espinal, or Espinal, however you want to say it. I say Espinal, but okay. Um, with Toronto, 282 batting average with two strikes. Kyle Schwarber with the Red Sox and Nationals combined, 253 batting average. And did I say runners? I meant two strikes. I didn't mean runners in scoring position if I said that. Two strikes. Yes. DJ LeMahieu with the Yankees, 252. Michael Brantley with Houston, 252. Uh, LeMahieu is fifth because he has actually less strikeouts than he does, than Brantley does. Uh, and then it's Rosario, 248 of Cleveland, and then it kind of drops off. A rise of Minnesota, 247. Harold Castro of Detroit, 237. Gavin Sheets of the White Sox, 234. I guess the last four hitters, a little bit of a surprise because they're not stars. They're not known as top 10, top 15, top 20 hitters or players for that matter. But those batting average after Brantley, they're kind of low for or am I just in previous years? Does it really prove the point that strikeouts have really taken over the game here in the last four to five years, just based off those batting averages? Yeah, it's hard to say because it's batting average. It's not strikeouts. Because right. um, with two strikes, you could be at a you know an O two count, mm-hmm. or you could be at a three two count. Yeah. So that's somewhat misleading. What I would say is. The guy's hitting 260. That's right. pretty impressive with two strikes. Like 240 seems somewhat. I mean, most of the so league. I don't know what was the league average this year. It had to be 250, right? Right. It was right. Well, no, it was right around like 230. Was it right? So you're. So. I mean, we're talking about with two strikes. We have guys yeah. that are that have better than the league average. Yeah, uh, that are low on that. So I actually, that's a surprising stat to me that guys hit that high with two strikes. Some of them, 
Mm-hmm. And maybe that's a testament of their approach. Maybe mm-hmm. they're more comfortable with two strikes. Um, you know, maybe they're not as antsy. Sometimes people get real excited early in the count and then they get behind and then they're like, okay, I just got to put it in place, see it deeper. And then they become better hitters. Yeah. You know, a lot of times that's a good approach for some players, but um, yeah, that's, uh, I, I would have thought with, two, you know, I mean, I would say an O an O two count, a one two count, maybe even a two two count. I would have thought that would have been sub two hundred average. Well, it doesn't have, it doesn't have the counts. It only has two strike batting average, two strike batting averages. Now, Yuli yeah. Gurriel, just to add a little more context, because again, he's number yeah. one on this list at two ninety. So Gurriel this season Amazing. struck out. So he hit three nineteen. By the way. A career, yeah. That's a career high for him. He's only he's getting older and he's still hitting, which mm. is a good sign. We do have a question about uh, a certain player that's getting older from a listener. We'll get to that a little bit later. But he's 37, Yuli Guriel, this season. So Yuli struck out this wow. year 68 times as compared to walking 59 times. Does that kind of yeah. give you a hint about things, about his approach with two strikes, yeah. or just his approach in general? His approach in general. I mean, it... it, it shows me like he has a different swing he he swings down a lot more than most guys like sometimes right. he actually swings down he probably has a negative attack angle because mm-hmm. um, i remember seeing one or two in the playoffs last year where i was like wow that was like if you go to my twitter page and not that i'm trying to uh, make you go through that whole thing but there's a guriel one i believe from the playoffs last year that i put off there mm-hmm. in slow motion where it was like all hands you know, he, he didn't use his, like, it wasn't a powerful swing. He was just trying to get his hands to the ball, get his barrel to the ball. And he used his hands a lot, you know, and his legs were just pretty passive. You know, maybe that's a, maybe that's a good thing for him. You know, he's, yeah. he, he's, his swing is built for the league now of high fastballs. Like I was just, you know, it's Friday, you know, so sorry, but we were watching and I was, my dad was over. So we were watching the, uh, yeah, the the Rays game, we watched a little bit of the Brewers game, and it was amazing, like, all the pitches are at the top of the box. Mm-hmm. You know, everything that was 95 miles an hour or more was thrown at the at, at the at the belt, you know, mm-hmm. or the belly button. That's just how it was, and guys just swinging under it. And swing. But Gurriel's the guy that will handle that pitch. He starts with his hands really high, and he kind of swings down. He swings very flat, yeah. and he's built for that. Now you start changing planes with him and throwing more sinkers and sliders, it'll be a little bit harder for him to be on plane, but he's built for high velocity, high spin rate fastballs at the top of the zone. And, and maybe the league just kind of came to him and that's why he had such a good year. Yeah. Luis Robert for more context, he struck out 61 times this year, mm. walked 14. His batting average was 338. He had a tremendous year. Yeah. He was um, now he only had, which I'm surprised about. I get, well, he was hurt that yeah. in mind as well. He only had 296 plate appearances though. And 275 at bats, but yeah, nevertheless, still he's kind of he's got the same build as like Puig, doesn't he? Like he's yeah, he does. He's super good super good big and athletic. What happened to Puig? Was he even in the league this year? He was. He was. He was with, with the Cincinnati Reds. still, or let me yeah. check here. Now I'm curious. Let me check here. Yasiel, that's a good comp by you, by the way. Oh, well, you know they don't call him the best evaluator in the world for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it's a movie i haven't watched in a while he was with uh cincinnati went for he one. was no no i'm sorry i don't think he was in the league this year he wasn't in fact his la- last time he was in the league was with cleveland 2019 and then cincinnati 
Actually, he went in that Bauer deal to, to uh, yeah, he was in Cincinnati for the short season, but he, yeah. he didn't play this year. Yeah, why did he flame? Why did he flame out? I'm curious because he's crazy. He's crazy. No, he's not crazy. He's but he's what an athlete. I mean, that guy, good well, Lord. okay, so he can throw and hit. He must have gotten hurt, torn something because. So he, he was eight years, very in the, polarizing. eight years in the league. I think six years. He had six years with the Dodgers. Wasn't tendered. Let's go. And he could have been, he was a free agent anyway. Arbitration years were up. And then, of course, went to Cincinnati and then was traded to Cleveland. Yeah. Hmm. yeah I don't know. I don't know where he is. Uh, you know who came out of retirement too? Hanley Ramirez. I did not know that. Now that guy had a big leg kick. Remember that time with the Marlins? Yeah. He didn't hustle after a ball short, and all the the three fa- and three Marlins fans they got all upset and angry. <laughs> <laughs> Sports talk in Miami <laughs> went crazy. Was Hamley there first, or was he in Boston first? He was there first, then went to Boston. Didn't then work out in Boston. Boston. Yeah, he was good with the Marlins though. Um, Pitchcom, we're just we're firing out all topics tonight. Pitchcom is what this thing is called. It's a pitch communication device between pitcher and catcher that is coming to the Arizona Fall League this fall. You like, dislike, yay, nay? Be tough for the fielders to be clued in on what pitch is coming and how to position themselves defensively. Although, well, no, they won't have analytics. Probably won't anyway, right? It's the Arizona Fall League, but nevertheless, I don't know. Maybe I like it in college because the college yeah. game is so slow getting pitches in. Mm-hmm. So anything to speed it up in college. But yeah. in the pros, the pitchers and catchers are calling it themselves. Yeah. I don't know. I get it with the sign stealing yeah. you know, issues that have, that have happened. Maybe it's a good thing. Yeah. Still got to push a button, right? It's not telepathy. Right. 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 The catcher still has to, like, push something. So mm-hmm. if you're going to steal a sign, maybe you – can zoom in and see what he's pushing as well. So people, if they're going to cheat, they're, they're going to find a way. Be sure to email the show, jimbopodcast21 at gmail.com. Follow us on social media at Jim Tara at Epstein Hitting. By the way, your tweet about Chris Taylor, what do you mean? Can you go further into the elbows and what you meant by that? If you haven't, at Epstein Hitting on yeah. Twitter, by the way, for those who um, don't know what I'm talking yeah, about gonna, and need a reference. We're going to talk a lot about that in about eight days in college station, Texas for the 2021 coaches yeah. training yeah. instructor training and certification. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will talk a ton about elbows. So the elbows control the hands and the hands control the bad head. So yeah. if, if the elbows do something at the wrong time, if, if they, um, if, if they start to change, you know, the relationship between each other and mm-hmm. your, and your shoulders and your body, then it creates a lot of problems with the bat head. So most amateur issues related to bat drag or casting or even wrist roll um, or lack of extension are all determined by what the elbows do earlier in the swing. So if you look at that swing, you can see how quiet his elbows are the first, you know, 30% of his swing during rotation. And because of that, it gave him a chance to deliver the barrel. Mm-hmm. And that was a good swing and a bad pitch slider. Yeah. Right down the middle. Right over the plate. Yeah. All right. Let's get into our topic today. Our main topic, college recruiting myths. There's a lot out there. There's a lot out there when I was being recruited. Same thing with you. But there now it's even it's more. There's a lot more out there now, because obviously with social media and it's just a frenzy. I'm sure now Mm -hmm. that players are posting on TikTok 
I hate TikTok. I really just hate it. TikTok depresses me. I remember seeing ads for that thing in 2016 and being like, this will never take off. I remember seeing ads for it on YouTube being and saying to myself, this will never take off. And it's just, it's just taking off. <laughs> I hate it. What else do you think won't work? Cause I'm going to invest in it. I know. Right, right, right. Um, so first myth, uh, and we, we alluded to it last week on the program go back and listen to the archives about camps, some camps that colleges host, not really showcase camps. Some of them are, some of them aren't. Mm -hmm. They're just out to make money for the program. Can you, you've been a college coach before. Can you kind of decipher that myth camps, no camps? How can parents figure out if they should send their kid baseball or softball to one of those things? It's it's tough. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the colleges do a much better job now recently within the last four or five years mm-hmm. about, you know, certain camps are fun camps, you know, for kids that are like, you know, 12, 12 and under. And then certain camps are for, you know, recruitable players. And I think that was the, the big thing is they can have those recruitable players on campus now where before it was like, yeah, it's got to be called a camp or it's not a camp or it's a recruiting thing. So um, I will tell you, I've worked with a ton of players that are from smaller areas mm-hmm. that would not have played in college if they hadn't gone to the uh, college camps and, and proved themselves and done well and showcased because they were from small towns. And, you know, there's not a lot of recruiters or they're from uh, a small town and they're playing on a team that's not going to play in front of, you know, the, all the A schools. So in Colorado, they have a, the big sparkler softball tournament, mm-hmm. you know, for 4th of July. And there's like, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm not for sure on the number, but it, it, it's somewhere between like 250 and like 320 teams or something crazy like that come in. Right. And the college coaches all come out here, right? Mm-hmm. But there's only like certain levels or divisions of that tournament where the coaches are going to see players. So Mm -hmm. if you're not a gold level team, if you're a recruitable 15 and 16 year old player, but you're not playing in that top division, well, you're just coming to this tournament to play games. It's not a recruiting tournament for you. So if you're that player, you might have to go to Texas A&M to a softball camp in order to be seen. And you better be good. They'll see you. Um, The great part, I I remember doing camps at University of Texas baseball years ago. Oh, gosh. I mean, Groggy Garrido was still there, right? So we're probably talking 12, 15 years ago. And none of the coaches were there. Actually, the pitching coach showed up for one day. Yeah. Garrido wasn't there. Tommy Harmon wasn't there. You know, none of the staff coaches were there. Um, Nowadays, especially in softball, all the coaches are there. So that's Mm -hmm. always one of the things that I ask if a player says, should I go to this camp? Are the coaches going to be there? Or is it the volunteer assistant? Is it the, you know, uh, the, the managers, the student managers that are running it. Sometimes they bring in a full other camp staff of high school coaches from around the area that are running it. It's just on the, the college field. So, you know, know that I, I will tell you Texas A&M softball this year, all of their staff coaches from their head coach on down were at their bigger showcase when they would have, you know, teams come in and practice and play. So if you want to get in front of a coach, that's how you do it. If, 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 if it's the right, you know, you do have to research the school. You have to see if the coaches are going to be there. You have to talk to people that have gone to those camps before, but if the coaches are there, 
100%, that is a really good way for you to be seen and showcase your skills. It doesn't mean you're going to get a scholarship, right. but if you prove yourself and you do well, it doesn't matter if you go to them or they see you in Atlanta somewhere, you know, at a random tournament. No, when these recruiters go to these big tournaments, they're going there to see certain players, mm-hmm. certain pitchers most of the time that they're interested in that are younger. They're probably sophomores. Yeah. And then if you catch their eye as a junior infielder, wow, this guy swung the bat really well. I like the way he moves in the field or she moves, you know, whatever it is. Then it's like, okay, that person gets picked up, but they're typically looking for the, you know, the diamonds that are out there, you know, the ones that are on all the PBR reports and all that kind of stuff. So as a, as a regular player, you know, on a roster of 35 for the 26 other players that are getting that want to play in college that mm-hmm. aren't being heavily recruited, they're going to have to go to some of these camps in order to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but do your research on it. Some camps, the coaches are there and it's great. They really are looking for players and some of them are just money makers, and, and you have to know that. So, um, you know, that, that is, that's a big myth. One of the other ones, you know, is, well, oh, let me ask you really quickly yeah. before we get to the other one. Um, what, what about showcases? What showcases nowadays are really, really important to get yourself and get your name out there. Yeah. You got to know your role, mm-hmm. right? And shut so, your you mouth. Yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they have all these showcases, right? The really yeah. good players, you know, if you have to pay to go to a showcase, you're not one of those players. Okay. okay. I mean, that's just kind of the way it is. doesn't mean that you shouldn't go to the showcase, but the top, you know, 50 players in the country, they don't pay to go to those. They mm-hmm. go to those events and they're flown in for those events so that the college coaches will come to those events. And if the college coaches come to those events or the scouts come to those events, then they can sell it to everyone else. Right. Then they can sell it to other people to come to the event. So um, unfortunately you got to do what you got to do um, to be seen. What I always tell players is know what kind of player you are. Yeah. You, you know, you know, players, players know teammates know who's the best player on your team. Who's the worst player on your team. Okay. Like, Kids know how they rank up against other players. You know, do you see yourself as a division one player? Now, well, maybe. Okay. Maybe it's not a great answer. Do you see yourself as a lower division one player? Yes. Do you see yourself as a high academic division one player? Yes. Go to a head first showcase. Mm-hmm. Those things are super expensive, but you're going to be seen by, you know, the Ivies, you know, the, the, the higher academic, you know, schools, uh, you know, on the East coast or, you know, even the ones on the West Coast that are just smaller, you know, yeah. maybe, you know, 10,000 or less students. But that's where you fit in. That's, that's your deal. Are you a big moose of a guy, right? You're fast, you're big, you're strong. Maybe you're not a great baseball player, but you're a terrific athlete. You'll shine at a showcase. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's kind of what it is. If you're a freakishly athletic human being, big, strong, fast, and you throw the ball hard and they go, wow, that threw it you know, 92 from right field, you know, and he's 14 or he's 15. Wow. He just hit the ball, you know, 94 miles an hour off the tee. Well, that kid may not ever be able to hit a fastball or a breaking ball that moves, but that player that's physically advanced will get the advantage. And so if you're not physically advanced and you are a really good player, that's where you have to go to these different events or you have to go to their camp, go to the source where you think you can play. I think I can play at, uh, you know, high point. Right. Like that's the league I think I can play at. I'm going to go to those camps. Those, 
in the league and I'm going to showcase myself and I'm going to get feedback from, from coaches, mm-hmm. you know, and they'll, they should be honest with you. The coaches are, coaches are better than they were. You know, there's not a lot of smoke just because it's so easy to transfer now. And there's so much social media that if, wow, this coach said I was great. And then I never got a phone call from him on signing day, you know, or something like that. That word gets out, right? It's on Twitter. It's on Instagram. You know, it's in the newspaper. So coaches uh, are, are uh, pretty honest now for the, you know, for the most part, at least the ones that I run in circles with, where it's like, you know what, you're going to be our second line recruits. Mm-hmm. We have, you know, whatever, nine players were, or 12 players were, that were, that are in our first line. Not all 12 of those are going to sign with us. Okay. Some are going to sign with our competitors. Some might go in the MLB draft. Some might not be eligible. So then I have my next tier. You're in that next tier. Yeah. I want you to stay in contact. I want to keep watching you play. Um, but know that it's open. And, and what happens is, you know, people have these myths that, oh, my gosh, I, I'm not verbally committed and I'm a sophomore. Yeah. I'm not verbally committed. I'm a junior. Mm-hmm. Every year, the summer before school starts, colleges are always looking to fill spots. Right, right. Because guys, at least the big schools, because guys, they get drafted, they transfer, mm-hmm. they're not eligible, you know, for whatever reason, there's spots that open up. And if you're um, confident in your abilities uh, as a human and as a player, and you are okay with walking on somewhere to try to earn a spot, do it. That's another myth too, though, uh, with the yeah. whole the whole um, uh, committing thing. Uh, can can we can the we worst. kind of break that down a little bit? Because that's you know, guys committing a sophomore girl and some girls do committing as sophomores and some freshmen. It's like what, what? What's ridiculous? This is ridiculous. Nobody likes it. Yeah, I, I think Nobody it's ridiculous. I just think it's ridiculous. Our coaches don't like it. Yeah, yeah. they have they have to do it, or someone else will. Right. You know, if you don't say, hey, you know, we'd like to have a verbal commitment from you, you know, you're going to graduate in, in two years. If I don't get that, then, uh, you know, the University of Florida will get it, you know. Right. And so they've tried to, you know, put some rules in place and we'll see how those pan out where, you know, you're not allowed to talk to the players until a little bit later now. Um, mm-hmm. When we were going, you know, I signed, you know, we weren't recruited until the fall of our senior year and you either signed in the fall like right. in november signing period or we signed in the spring but that was it like you didn't have yeah. verbal you you didn't we didn't get letters i don't think until we were seniors mm-hmm. you know where they could start communicating with you and then all of a sudden that just went you know by the wayside so nobody likes it but it's um you know it's kind of what it is and it lays a, a groundwork and a foundation and yeah um so many players um, I just heard of a player who um, is a sophomore in, in high school, mm-hmm. and he's a, a good athlete. And he's a sophomore that's 17 years old, okay, instead of 15. And he's strong and he's fast, but he's probably not going to get better physically. I mean, it, unless he works. But he committed to a power five school, mm-hmm. um, you know, in a very big conference, uh, like I said, as a sophomore and his ceiling, I don't know where his ceiling is. You know, that's, that's the problem. Like I see him and I'm like, that kid's mature. Like, it, you know, he's not going to be more than, you know, five ten, um, And he's not going to be able to be a left fielder in that conference. Like, 
can he run good enough? Like he's big and strong and he overmatches the, the competition right now, but it's not going to play. So that player probably, I'm not going to say, you know, I'm pulling against or rooting against somebody, but I don't think that player is going to step foot on campus in two years. I think they're going to see him and be like, you didn't get better. Right. You know, they want him to get better. They want him mm-hmm. to get faster and stronger. Maybe he's lazy because he's overmatching the competition. Or maybe he's like Bryce Harper and he's a freak. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to get big. I'm going to get faster. I'm not going to grow anymore, but at least I can get stronger and faster. And I'm going to work my tail off. But I would say for every guy that works his tail off to get bigger and stronger and faster, I've seen so many sophomores that just kind of cruise once they give their verbal commitment. And then all of a sudden, you know, push comes to shove. And those schools are like, you know what? You didn't do anything to get better. Like you're not any better now than you were. We, we're going to look for somebody else. Yeah. So it's really, a, it's not really a commitment. It's more of, I don't it's know not what a it commitment. is. It's no, stupid. you can say I, I decommitted from this school. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll let you know where I'm going to, I mean, you see it every day. Right. You know, I, I, I don't think it phases coaches either. Right. I always go back to that story of when Dustin Bedroya walked into Pat Murphy's office at Arizona state. And said to him, I'm your, I'm here, your starting shortstop coach. And Pat Murphy looked at him and goes, who are you again? Yeah. So again, there's with the bigger schools, you can commit all you want when you're in seventh grade, but I mean, yeah. years. And, and, and sometimes those are things not missing. There's a girl that are in softball. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's not even on campus. You know, I'm trying to remember. She was like the first eighth grader. Like yeah, it's... University of Florida softball committed, and, and I worked with a player. That girl's got to be close to getting to college, but I worked with a player. She plays at Florida State now, mm-hmm. and and she played summer ball with this girl. Yeah, and this girl was like a junior, you know, at the time in high school, and this stud pitcher that you know was was an eighth grader, a freshman, and she's like, no, she's that good. Like she is that good. Okay, she's that good. You know, like it was yeah. a. We're not going to measure, you know, she was a pitcher and she already threw, you know, 67 miles an hour, right? Which yeah. is like SEC average. Mm-hmm. And she was uh, 14. Yeah. <laughs> so they're like, ah, okay, yeah. we'll take a flyer on this one. And they got her to commit. Mm-hmm. And softball is different because there's no draft. So, yeah. Um, also, you know, uh, you mentioned letters. Do any do players get letters anymore, or how do coaches reach out? Here's another myth that we have to bust, like MythBusters on today's yeah. show. Uh, how do they reach out via social media? I mean, you, you mean players can showcase themselves on their Instagram and now their TikTok mm-hmm. and what else is on Twitter? Uh, what else yeah, um, Snapchat. I think <laughs> there are still letters um, for sure. And there's, there's certain times, you know, that colleges can reach out. So you yeah. could call the college, you know, if, if I was interested in you, Jim, mm-hmm. um, you could call me and I could pick up the phone and right. talk to you, but I couldn't proactively call you during certain times. If and that, that, you know, that is said in a letter, correct? Yes. Okay. Uh, is there, are there violations now though? If you reach out on social media as a coach and say, Hey, I like your stuff. Or, it's gotta be right. Yeah, like you can like, but you can't. So you, okay. you can watch, but you yeah. can't say, "Hey, give me a buzz," you know, yeah. or, or you can't. You can't. There, there'll be sanctions for that. Yeah. So usually it's through club coaches. Okay. So tr- through travel ball coaches, so they know. Oh, they play for this travel ball team. I'm going to contact that travel ball coach. I'm going to find a little bit more about this player. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm interested in them. Can you give me their phone number? And then when I'm allowed to call recruits. 
which just happened like in softball, I think a month ago or so they could actually call recruits that are juniors. Yeah. Um, there was a certain date and then they can pick up the phone and call, but they'll get all, you know, they'll, they'll get their, their information typically from their coaches, sometimes high school coaches. That's how it used to be. Now it's more, you know, travel ball coaches. Right. Right. Club that's coaches. why it's so important to go back and listen to our travel ball episode. Yep. Figuring out the right travel ball coach that could help you get to college. That's it. Also, another um, thing I want to add to Paul, I saw this Paul Goldschmidt was never ranked in high school when he was going off to college. So, and he's now a major league star. So I don't think players should get too wrapped up. Keep in mind, Jimmy Clausen was the number one quarterback in 2007, heading off to Notre Dame. He was committed as a sophomore. He was okay in college, right? He was pretty good. Went to the Panthers and then that's about it. He wasn't very good at the NFL level. So your body's changing. You're growing mentally, physically. There's so many things that could change. People get wrapped up in all this recruiting stuff. I'm being recruited by this school, recruited by this school. In the end, your, your time to grow is actually when you get on campus between 18 yeah. and, and 24. That's the time to grow physically and, and mentally. If you do want to try to play, if you can, if you're talented enough, play at the next level. Henry Davis, the there is, you go, by the way. another. And example. the problem is you got to get there, right? right. I mean, right. there was a, a pitcher, was it the, the Rays pitcher on game one? Anyways, a pitcher that went to like a D3 school mm-hmm. and he was, you know, 150 pounds when he got on campus. And anyway, he ended up growing like four inches and putting on uh, like 50 pounds or something like that. And he got, you know, totally dominated Division Three or whatever he was at, got drafted, worked his way through the minor leagues and, you know, as a big leaguer. So you never know. You know, you, you have to see as a recruiter or, you know, as a, as a scout or an evaluator, you know, there's certain things you can see. Wow, this guy, he moves the right way. Like the ball really comes out of his hand. I know it's not jumping yet, but he's 145 pounds and he's 16, like, he's just young. He's not hairy yet. Like, I feel like there's a lot of growth. There's a really high ceiling and some people can see that, you know, and some people, you know, are just like, Oh, he, if you've just looked, if this poor, if that kid goes to a showcase and they're like, Oh, he throws, you know, mm-hmm. 80 miles an hour, yeah. you know, even though he's 150 pounds and he runs a seven, four and his exit velocity is, you know, blah, blah, blah. But boy, he sure is smooth. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, well, maybe that smoothness, maybe he'll grow into that athletic. Maybe he won't, but maybe he will. And so those are the guys that go to college late. Mm-hmm. You know, they sign their senior year, like when most people do, they don't commit until then, or they go to a junior college or a smaller school and they end up doing really well. So listen, if you work hard and you can play and you're good and you just keep playing, it doesn't matter where it is. It could be at a D2 in the middle of Nebraska. If you dominate there, Somebody will see you. Yeah. If you don't dominate there, no one will see you. If you don't dominate at Mississippi State, nobody cares either. Right. So you have to, you know, you have to be the the main dude when you get out there. If you if you want to go to the next level, you know, whatever that is, you got to be better than everybody else. And yeah. that can come from within, and that can come from hard work and dedication. It can come from talent, mm-hmm. um, or you can have people that are really talented that just don't have the work ethic. So. Like Bryce Harper, that sounds like that's all he ever wanted to do. Yeah. Right. And, and nothing gifted. was good. He was, yeah, he wasn't going to go to a party. He wasn't going to, you know, go to the football games. He was going to go hit. 
and he was going to go run. And he was going to go work out and make it worked out for him. doesn't work out for everyone, but you got you to gotta work. If you don't work, it, it doesn't work. Final myth, I wanna, final myth I want to touch on. How much nowadays do coaches look at those showcase type statistics, exit velocity? We'll call them stat cast statistics. How much do they look they at They look those? at them. A lot? Yeah, they yeah, they look at them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they they look at, you know, it, unfortunately, if someone doesn't hit the ball hard enough, mm-hmm. because if you if if you hit a ground ball but you hit it really hard, yeah, it, it's a hit. If you hit a ground ball and you hit it 82 miles an hour, it's an out. It, you know, if you hit it 100 miles an hour, it, it has you know a 50 percent chance more going through. So, mm-hmm. look at the big leaguers; they're so massive. Yeah. Seriously. Like my dad was over, we were talking tonight, you know, where my daughter, my little one, you know, went to the doctor and they're like, ah, you might be five, eight, you know? And so she was telling my dad, Hey Papa, you know, I might be five, eight. He's like, Oh great. He's like, you know, and he rattled off. Like, I can't remember who the players were rattled off like four hall of famers that were five, eight. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, those guys aren't even in the league anymore. Like yeah. these shortstops are 220 pounds. You know, or 230 pounds. Like, and look at Wander just, Franco. I mean, the guys, that guy's yeah, huge. They just, I don't know, they just overmatch the ball, you know, and the yeah. field and the stadium because they're so big and strong that you don't have to be as, you know, Chris Taylor, like, that's a normal size guy. Yeah, but he's so strong, though. He's so wiry. He's stronger than he's um, wiry, but most, he's not like most of the, the male white population. Box. Yeah. No, the White Sox have a lot of jack guys, don't they? Yon Mankata. <laughs> Luis Robert, by the way, he looks like he looks like a linebacker and he's the center fielder. Let's I was just gonna honest. say they, they do. They look like right? they look like a football, an NFL football team. Right. They're huge. And I mean, even Tim huge. Anderson so, is pretty big. Yeah. Lower body. Big. Lower body. Yeah. Jack Leiter, too, is is his thighs are tree trunks, for God's sake. Yeah. Anyway, and, sorry. Go ahead. No, but it's true. So they're they're looking at guys, you know, if, if you're a pitcher and you're throwing 86 at a showcase. Yeah. And every, yeah, you can play somewhere. Right. But they're going to look for a guy. Oh, this guy doesn't have very good command, but he's really big and he throws 90 and he's 16. Okay. When he's 18, maybe he throws 93. When he's 20, maybe he throws 95 or maybe he blows out his arm. Like who knows, but they feel like they can work with that. College yeah. is, Big time colleges are full of oh we can we can make that better if we need to. Right. Unfortunately, it doesn't happen. So you have a lot of these people that are just freakishly good athletes mm-hmm. that may not be great ball players, and maybe they come into their own and they you know they do become. But for the most part, it's they're going to take that person that hits the ball harder, runs a little bit faster, even though that player may have gone one for ten in the showcase. Mm-hmm. versus a you know somebody of average size that went five for ten mm-hmm. but they didn't they their vertical wasn't as as high you know they they, they didn't throw as hard from the outfield they yeah. they didn't run as they don't look as good in the uniform and that sucks because mm-hmm. for me one for, you know i mean you can only watch guys go one for ten so many times in the showcase i remember um Gosh, who was the coach? Oh, he was an assistant at Oregon for Coach Horton. 
I mean, maybe it was Waz, who's the head coach at Oregon now. I don't remember who it was, but I had a player that was a great athlete here in Colorado. This is years ago, probably 10 years ago. And he, I mean, he was fat. He was a, he was a wide receiver for a really good football team. And he was fast and he was strong and he hit the ball so hard and he looked pretty good and athletic. And so I remember talking to him and he was talking to the coach anyway. And he was like, I've seen him probably 15 at bats and he's only hit one double and he was fooled and hooked it down the line. Mm -hmm. He's like, I just, he looks so great in, in the pregame and and taking fly balls and in the showcase part of it. He's like, but, when we got into the game, I just I, I haven't seen him square up enough balls. I haven't seen him hit up a line drive up the middle one in you know 15, he, yeah. And you know what he sounds like? He sounds like a showcase player. And next week, there's so many. We'll be right. talking about avoiding becoming a showcase player. That's next week. And then, of course, overrated, yeah. underrated. And then it's time for a mechanical breakdown series of a certain podcast co-host. Host. Oh, yeah, but you're my co-host, so it's interchangeable. Is it? <laughs> I think so. I guess. You... Anyway, that kid ended. You up don't want to, to. I'm guessing, but uh, he ended up going to a D1 school. Yeah, that was a little bit smaller. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, didn't play. What uh, do you, you had another myth that I cut you off with earlier? Do you have another one, or do we touch on everyone? I think the one was you have to if you don't. Um, commit by the time you're a, you know, a sophomore or junior, then you're yeah. not going to play college. That's right. the worst one because you, you are. Right. It puts a lot, a lot more pressure on kids. So now it's got to be worse with social media. And One of the not myths is don't showcase unless you're showcaseable. So if you're a sophomore and you're 125 right. pound second baseman, yeah, don't go there because all of a sudden all your numbers and stats are going to be there. Right. Wait till you're a junior. Wait till you're a senior when you're bigger and stronger and you showcase mm-hmm. well. So yeah. don't jump into those when you're physically not ready yet. Mm-hmm. Um, like me, I wasn't ready until much later to show my skills. So I was probably 17 or 18. Mm-hmm. If I would have done it at 14, they would have laughed me off the field. Yeah. They still uh, laugh me off the field. Let's, uh, <laughs> they laugh us off the podcast, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. They did that like 10 minutes ago. Um, let's get to our listener question here. And this comes to us from Pete from Iowa. Sent to us via Jimbo Podcast 21 at gmail.com. Pete's from the beautiful state of Iowa writes, Hi, Jim and Jake. It's my first time writing into the show. I enjoy watching on YouTube. Jake's explanations of things pertaining to hitting are great. And YouTube provides a great visual. My question has to do with Nelson Cruz. It's kind of broad. But what does Jake think of Nelson Cruz as a hitter and his ability to still be as productive as he is at age 41? Wow, he's 41. Mm-hmm. I, know that. I thought he was I thought he was 40 or 39 but anyway uh Pete continues will we start seeing a trend of players playing deeper into their 30s and into their 40s or is Cruz a rare breed of talent great show thank you again and that is from Pete from Iowa sent to us via Jimbo podcast 21 at gmail.com yeah I mean if you're a DH mm-hmm which you know, it might you, be coming to all of baseball soon. Yeah, then you know, there's a place for somebody that's older, right? That doesn't you know run well, and the body hurts a little bit more. Um, watch him prepare. Uh, yeah. Nelson Cruz is a guy that hits the back of the cage mm-hmm. off machines, off T work, 
Actually, it's a lot of ground balls on the right side off tee work. I think I posted something on my Twitter page a year ago. It was like a MLB.com little segment of how he works. And it's so many of the drills that I have in my online academy where, you know, you're, you're just using one hand and you're not using your body much and you're just trying to control the bad head and, and learn how to use your body the right way. He's just a very hardworking, uh, dedicated to his craft kind of guy. Like he's a hitter. And he's simplistic in his approach in that he doesn't have a big leg kick. He doesn't have a lot of moving parts. He's big and he's strong. So he doesn't have to have as many moving parts to build momentum. Um, but he's got great hands. He's got great hands and he has great control of the bat. And when you match that with size and vision and experience mm -hmm. and wisdom, as you would put it, right? He's been in the league for a long time. He's seen a lot of pitches. Mm -hmm. he's faced a lot of different pitchers he knows what guys are trying to do to him mm -hmm. yeah you're going to be successful for a long time but um i don't know if i we we're going to see a lot of people that play that long you know yeah. unless it's somebody like i mean you saw Pujols get old real fast yeah um you know Pujols would have been in that dh kind of role like maybe you could run him out there but not to the extent that cruises later his career however you know the whole Pujols, how old is he really right. you know plays into that you know um what about I got a guy? He might be he might be two or three years. I, I do you have know, a guy you, that that may play into his forties. Two guys may play into their forties. JD Martinez. No. Mm -mm. Bryce Harper. No, you're shaking your head. No. Now nah, he's too injury prone. Juan Soto. He's not even twenty yet. <laughs> right he's got a long like way to 30 go 30 years from now isn't it <laughs> he's got a long way to go he's got a long way to go yeah i think yeah I, I think it doesn't happen because if you've played that long like you're at least 35 you've made so much money in this game yeah well Pools has like, made so much money and he's still going and i guarantee he plays next year guarantee yeah he's he's I don't get it, but I hope Bo Bichette plays till he's like 45 too. Just because you said he's at, during his mechanical breakdown series, he's going to stop at 35. So I'm going to add 10 years. I hope he plays till he's 45. Is that what I? I, yeah, you I said, said Bichette's down at 35. You did, yeah, because he's yeah. going to make a lot his of money. Body, he, he's going to make money, but his body won't hold up. You don't think so? No. Oh. Too much energy, violence in that swing. His back. He's like it's like Tiger Woods. So what do you think is going to, what's going to hurt him the most? His Obliques, back, or his back, lower back, his knees. Yeah. His back mark and the, his left knee. Mark the date and the time. By that time when he's 35, we'll, we'll be on episode 1500. Oh, God. Let's hope not. Let's hope you have your own show on ESPN by then, Jim. Yeah, right. Or maybe I'll be a scout Philly, or something. Philly talk radio. I'll be a scout or something. Uh, Oh, you would you would be like uh, like for an organization. The, uh, yeah, you would be the uh, scouting master. <laughs> are, you, are you getting tired? You, you would be <laughs> you would be the assistant general manager of master scouting. I was going to the say the assistant assistant general manager of St. Mary's School Deaf School Death. Yeah, and by then there'll be players on the moon. I know because the Earth will be gone. Right. They've been saying that for 35 years, too. Yeah. Well, all, you know, that's like 12 years away, too. No, I'm sorry. Maybe it's like, Mars. It's like 13 years One, away. 
Bo's like 22, 23. It's not that far off. I mean, you're talking like, you know, when my grandkids are around, if I have such, or if you, you have such, right. You have grandkids. So next week, avoiding becoming a showcase player. That's our topic next week at hand. Okay. All right. Everybody good. All right. I hope we, I hope you know how not to become a showcase player. Yeah. What's that? Show, show up at the lab with all your skills. Yeah, that's right. And we'll crank those machines up and make it nasty so that you do perform mm-hmm. in the, in the uh, game portion of the showcases and not just the skills portion. And what, are, what other gadgetry do you have at the lab? We have coaches that just, you know, we sound like New York fans right. yelling at Red Sox players. That's what we sound like. So players, when they get into showcase, there's no pressure because we've just beat them down so much. Yeah. Okay. No, we just prepare them. We we don't we don't sugarcoat anything. <laughs> you know, we we do. We have I have some eye hand coordination drills, like where I'll mm-hmm. get them going, and then we'll throw in you know different verbals, and we'll start talking to them when they're concentrating in hopes that they can blank that stuff out. Yeah, that's right. important. Like you you can't be distracted, but that's a whole other episode. What's what topic would that be? Don't be distracted by outside influences. That actually, I think that actually isn't further episode further down the line. Is it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Again, it comes back to one of my favorite movies for love of the game. Is that one of your favorite movies? Is it? Yeah. 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 Um, Not one of my favorites, but nevertheless, it's more of a love story, but you know, yeah, right. I didn't, I didn't, I mean, anytime you got shake and bake as a catcher, I didn't take Riley as a catcher. I didn't take you for a, a, a love story type movie guy, but yeah, anything with Costner, I'm in. Even Yellowstone, uh, Yellowstone, um, Field of Dreams, Fullerton. right? The best, yeah. Pete from Iowa, thank you very much. I wonder if Pete from Iowa lives near. Field yeah, of I wonder if he's been there. I wonder if he's at the game. At Jim Tara at Epstein hitting. Thank you for listening, watching on YouTube. Subscribe, we do appreciate it, and we will talk to you next week. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Jerry Callow.